Hello, hello. This is episode 290. And today I'm answering all of your questions as many as I can possibly answer actually. (laughs) So you might be wondering how do you submit a question for an upcoming episode of the keto diet podcast. And the best way to do that is to go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact. If you're unsure of how to spell that or where to go, you can just check out the show notes of today's episode. If you're not sure where the show notes are, I encourage you to just take a couple moments and click around in your app, see if you can find them. If you're not sure, you can go to the Google machine and type in the app you're using. So like casts or podcast, um, and then the word show notes or the words show notes. And it'll show you usually with a little tutorial on how to access the show notes of any show with your podcast player. And this is just really helpful moving forward. So you know how to access these because a lot of podcast authors and creators and editors will put all these juicy things in the show notes and so many people miss them. Um, if you want to catch up on previous podcast episodes and notes from today's show, you can go to ketodietpodcast.com. Okay, let's do this thing. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel. You're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've created a free guide with tips on how to start keto and maintain your fat-fueled life. Grab it at healthfulpursuit.com slash free as a little thank you for listening to the show. Yeah, I'm so happy that you're here today hanging out with me. My name is Leanne Vogel. I'm the host of the Keto Diet Podcast, and I'm the best-selling author of the Keto Diet, the Keto Diet Cookbook, Keto for Women. And welcome. Happy 2021. Oh, January. Can you believe it? So we have a ton of questions submitted here, so I'm just going to jump right in. Our first question is from Amanda. I'm often in ketosis at bedtime, but by the morning, my pee stick is very white. What is going on? Okay, Amanda, um, you didn't give much information, well, any information as to how long you've been on the ketogenic diet. So I'm going to make some assumptions and kind of fill in the blanks. If you are testing via your urine, usually that's accurate for the first couple of weeks of being on your ketogenic diet. But once you go, go beyond that, it's going to be quite volatile. And the reason why is because as your body gets more and more efficient of using ketones, it's not going to show up in your urine. And so you might find that throughout the day, you build up your ketones in your urine. Then as you sleep, your body's using those ketones. And by the time you wake up, they're not there anymore. And that's not that you're, you don't have ketones. In fact, your ketones in your blood are probably higher when you wake up than when you go to bed. Um, so I would encourage you, Amanda, to look at other ways to test your ketones. If you are looking to test and get very efficient in that, there are ways that you can tell that you're on the ketogenic diet without testing. Um, one of the big ones for me is when I'm not hungry, when I wake up and I'm not hungry. Maybe I can go through lunch and I'm still not hungry. These are some of the ways that I determine whether or not I'm in ketosis, having a lot of energy, having better sleep. Uh, my skin gets clearer. Um, I'm not craving sugar as much or any, if any at all. Um, so those are some signs that you can go off of. And if you want to test It's been a long time since I've recommended a specific ketone monitor. What I like to do is just say, go to your local pharmacy and see what's available and just use there just as a little check balance. So you can kind of see where your ketones are, but they're definitely not required in order for you to have success. Okay. Next question is also from an Amanda, a different one. I do believe Uh, Amanda says, hi, how can I incorporate liquid IV into my keto life? Now, 
I had to Google what liquid IV was because at first I thought it was IVs. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but I've had keto flu twice and I've only been on keto for two months now. Every time I research on electrolytes, on keto, keto or liquid IV is the first thing that shows up. It has sugar and carbs, so it doesn't make sense. It's the cheapest I've found so far, but I've had two in the two months I've been on keto, a complete keto flu. Both times when I was sick, it was okay to drink at least one per day on keto. What do I do? Thanks in advance, Amanda. Okay, Amanda and all listening. If you are looking for an electrolyte, if it has sugar, that's a clear sign that like that electrolyte was not made by people that support a ketogenic diet or by people who understand who needs to use electrolytes or just people that understand how health works. I don't understand why you would put sugar in an electrolyte mix. Perhaps maybe if you are doing more sports nutrition and it has maybe dextrose in it, perhaps. I'm not sure. I'm not entirely sure why you would put sugar in it, but a big red flag for me is an electrolyte powder that uses sugar. So if there is sugar in it, maybe look elsewhere. There is a company that I just started working with um, and a product that I've been using now for a couple of months called Element. That's L-M-N-T. I'm going to include a link in the show notes here with some of their details and an offer there for you so you can kind of dive deeper. So electrolytes are not made the same. <laughs> you know, there are different electrolytes with which have a different balance of different electrolytes. So you could have an electrolyte powder that's, that's equal all the different four electrolytes. And that's going to be your magnesium, calcium, sodium, and potassium, but you need them in the right balance. And it should be like a four to four to one to two, I believe, if I'm correct, maybe. And so you want them in the proper balance. And when I first found Element, what I really loved is that it was a powder. Previous, I'd use pills, but it, they weren't as effective. So I was looking for a powder. I also wanted one that was completely unflavored, unsweetened, just electrolytes, which Element has, and at the proper ratios. So you also need to look for the proper ratios and fully understand and fully understand the ratio. So you want chloride to be at that eight ratio, and then you want sodium to be at the four ratio, and then you want calcium and magnesium to be at one. Okay, so that's what you want to look for. And oftentimes with these electrolyte companies, they'll just have like 200 milligrams of chloride, 200 milligrams of sodium, and then 100 milligrams of calcium and magnesium. And that's just not the right ratio. So it's not going to make you feel good. Whereas the proper ratio could be something like 280 milligrams of chloride, 140 milligrams of sodium, 30 milligrams or 40 milligrams of magnesium, and then calcium at 40 milligrams. And so that's an example of the proper ratio using the eight to four to one to one, not the four to two to one to one. That was wrong. Um, so eight to four to one to one. Okay. So that's one piece to look at. And then also is as you are eating a ketogenic diet, overall, your electrolyte requirements should go down for a stretch. Um, I find that the longer you eat keto, the more balanced you are, the more salt you're incorporating. But usually those first two to four, maybe even six months, it's a little bit iffy. But the big takeaway here is that your electrolyte powder should not 
have sugar, okay? And your electrolyte powder or supplement should have the proper ratio. So again, eight to four and then one and one, okay? So if you're looking for an electrolyte powder, I will include a link for Element in the show notes. So you can check that out and it'll have a savings code in there and a description of why I use it and how I use it and all the things. Okay, next question is from Nina. I'm a registered nurse and work 12-hour night shifts full-time. I go to school full-time and have two children, six years and seven months. Some days I'm fasting. Some days I feel like I need three meals a day. I'm not tracking my intake because this will drive me crazy. I have a hard time staying motivated, especially when it comes to exercising. I've never been able to stick with anything. How do you make yourself exercise when you have no energy left? I still have about 60 pounds to lose and would like to avoid loose skin. Hello, Nina. Oh my gosh. So, so much hustle. School full-time, shifts full-time. That's a lot, a lot. I think even the fact that you are eating properly and understanding what your limits are with that, you know, fasting sometimes, eating three meals a day. Other times this is completely normal, natural. And I actually encourage you to continue with that flow. And then maybe perhaps, you know, I did a recent survey on at Leanne Vogel Instagram, if you don't follow me. And I just asked people like, do you like going to the gym and like structured workouts or do you just like to do life hard? And I think the results are like 80% of people like doing life hard. And I'm one of those life hard people. You know, if I'm grocery shopping, I'm going to park as far away as possible and I'm going to, you know, get my steps in or if I have an opportunity to take my dog out, even if it's five minutes, we're going to do that as opposed to like sitting around. If I'm on a phone call, I'll stand up and just pace my house just because. And so there are ways that you can incorporate movement just to keep um, your circadian rhythms really balanced, which is going to be important for you because you're working long, long hour shifts and also at night. And perhaps maybe for a while, because you're so exhausted, you sleep instead of pushing yourself, especially because you've said you have no energy left. Now, with motivation, it's a little bit different. I struggle with motivation as well. Something that challenges me that I still have a pretty hard time sticking to because it's just structure and I don't like it. Um, There are many, many challenge apps that you can have on your phone and they alert you every day like, do a plank for 60 seconds or run on the spot or those sorts of things. And I do do that. But oftentimes it's that I do life hard and I just try to incorporate movement everywhere I go at at any time. I would love to be recording this podcast standing up, but I don't have that ability right now. Um, But you know, any way that you can just get movement in is going to be really good and listen to your body. It sounds like you have a pretty good handle on what your body needs this way and that, and just allowing yourself um, that space. Now, when it comes to loose skin, generally speaking, at 60 pounds, you shouldn't really experience much. It's usually when it's over 100 pounds. It depends where you're holding your weight. Additionally, um, focusing on high quality foods, uh, specifically those that contain collagen, bone broth, collagen itself in your smoothies or soups or when you can add it. And also making sure that you're not losing weight too fast. If you're losing more than two pounds a week consistently, you're more likely or studies show that you're more likely to have loose skin. When you're losing one to two pounds, your body has a chance to catch up and it won't be as problematic. So Nina, I hope that that was helpful. And um, yeah, I hope you get some rest in there because there's a lot going on. I used to live very, 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 very far away from the ocean. And in the 90s and early 2000s, there were really no great options on getting fresh seafood delivered to your door. 
So I just never ate it. But thankfully in the year 2021, there is. We all know the health benefits of seafood, rich in omega-3, selenium, vitamin D, you know, the nutrients that keep your thyroid and metabolism revved up and your skin looking glowy and healthy. But a lot of us steer clear of seafood because of accessibility, cost, and taste. Now, some of that store-bought stuff has a real rank taste and smell to it. Am I right? Blah. Not wild Alaskan seafood box. Now, this is a seafood delivery service that takes wild caught to a whole new level. The seafood in their subscription program is wild caught from Alaska via small boat fishermen working directly with friends and families to deliver the freshest, most authentic seafood right to your home. From the local small mom and pop processor in Petersburg, Alaska to you. Go to wildalaskanseafoodbox.com com slash KDP and reserve your subscription box. The coolest part, you get to choose how often it's delivered once a month, once every other month or every three months. Plus get a half pound bag of scallops added to each and every single one of your orders for the lifetime of your membership with the code KDP. So you go to wildalaskanseafoodbox.com slash KDP and use the code KDP to grab your subscription box plus your half pound bag of scallops added to every single order that you receive for the lifetime of your membership. Okay, next question is from Leah. Hi, Leanne. I just started my keto journey a couple of months ago and it's working very well for me except for one issue. Several years ago, I was diagnosed with herpes. Since I started keto, my flare-ups have increased significantly. In the past two months, I've had three flare-ups, which is highly unusual. I can't seem to find much information on the two subjects. Is there an is this an anomaly? If not, are there changes I can make to decrease the outbreaks? Okay, so in order to answer this question, first we need to be clear on what type of herpes we're talking about. Specifically for this conversation, we're going to be talking about the herpes that involves the mouth or the lips, specifically type 1. Now, if you have your herpes in other locations, what I'm sharing won't necessarily um, help. Okay, so the first one is going to be um, the natural remedies. Specifically, you're going to want to go for, specifically actually, green tea is fantastic for this. And so each of these items, uh, green tea, persimmon extract, black tea, contain polyphenols that are um, plant-based chemicals that help suppress viruses. So that's the first piece. And we really want to be focusing on the antiviral effects of these. So again, green tea, black tea, persimmon extract. And no, you're not going to drink these things. You're actually going to apply it directly on the herpes. So Step number one is to um, either steam your face. Steaming can be really helpful or, you know, putting a hot, like putting a rag or a face cloth under hot water and then just placing it on the skin. Take that off after a couple of minutes, like maybe two minutes, take it off and then take your green tea, black tea, persimmon and apply it directly to the affected area and hold it there for at least 20 to 30 minutes. So um, in the case of green tea, what I like to do is soak it in a cloth and then just like apply it to the skin and just hold it there and like maybe watch some TV or do some work or whatever. And then the next day you can do persimmon extract and over and over and over and see if that works. As for whether or not the ketogenic diet sparks um, a herpes like kind of outbreak reaction on your skin, I... 
I'm not entirely sure why that would be. I did a little bit of research before our recording and I wasn't really sure and couldn't really see a connection. Some people talk about how their herpes is actually improved, um, but can get worse on the ketogenic diet or even a carnivore diet before it gets better. There's actually a human called Sean Baker. Um, He chats a little bit about the carnivore diet, a lot about the carnivore diet, actually, and then talks about herpes as it relates to it. So those are a couple of resources um, just about, you know, either going keto or carnivore and it getting worse before it gets better as your body is healing and specifically as your immune system is switching over. Because as we know, you know, when we're going from a sugar burning state to a fat burning state, everything about our metabolism is changing. And I know when I first went keto the very first time way back in 2014, a lot of my symptoms of everything got worse before they got better. And so I hope that was helpful for you. And there's some direction in there for you, Leah. Sorry, I can't provide more, but I really wasn't able to find much research. Um, And it should definitely, I shouldn't say it should definitely decrease, but from everything that I read, it should decrease. But you could definitely be that anomaly. Um, But I would encourage you to dig a little bit deeper. And if you're able to find an answer, I would love to hear back from you as to what you do discover. Okay, next question is from Lita. Hi, Leanne. Thank you for the awesome work you do. Your podcast has given me great support. I recently stopped dairy and there is no going back. Awesome. My problem is what to drink my coffee with. So my question is, why is soy bad or is it bad if you're sensitive to it? My favorite milk is oat, but it's a little high in carbs for environmental reasons. I'm not going to drink almond. And the rest just doesn't taste good with coffee. Thank you so much. Greetings from Sweden. Okay, Lita. Um, yeah. So let's break each one down. Soy milk isn't great, uh, for many, many reasons, specifically estrogen. Now, if you're getting fermented temp, like tempeh or tofu soy, that's organic. And it's a once in a while thing. I think it's completely okay. But soy milk is so incredibly, potent with all the things we don't want, especially as women. So I personally recommend that uh, my clients as well as myself and anyone I care about doesn't do soy milk. Now, when it comes to oat milk, it's going to be high in carbs and it's also probably going to spike your glucose quite considerably. Um, so you definitely want to stay away with away from that. For environmental reasons, not drinking almond, you can make almond milk from home. In fact, if you're making milk from home, the best one for coffee is cashew because it's super milky and delicious and amazing. When you're out and about, coconut milk uh, at different places, cafes and things are pretty common. I don't know about in Sweden, um, but here here in North America, it's pretty common. And otherwise, just getting used to those Americanos without anything funky. That's usually what I go for. Um, Or just an iced Americano or a hot Americano just with nothing in it. And you can bring your own MCT oil or coconut milk oil. Um, But yeah, my go-to is coconut milk. My at-home go-to when I'm making my own milk is going to be cashew. It's delicious in coffee. And for those of you who aren't in Europe who can get nut pods, if you really enjoy coffee and you want milk in your coffee, nut pods, which is a mixture of, I think, almond and, and coconut are pretty tasty. They are expensive, but they work really well. And if you like flavored coffee and that sort of thing, that can be fun. Okay, next question is from Megan. 
Hi, Leanne. I've got your book, Keto for Women, and listened to your podcast. Thank you so much for all the goods. Wondering about calculating macros later in the keto journey. I've been doing keto for three years. I did paleo for about four years and recently ditched the fatty coffee in the AM for just plain coffee. Yay! As I seem to be gaining weight and experiencing inflammation. Me too. And I'm doing real fasting, non-caloric now, and it's even better. But yeah, How much should I aim for with my macros? Okay, Megan, this is a really great question. And it really comes down to, it's kind of complicated, I'll be honest. So the first is understanding the different levers that you have on your ketogenic diet. So you have your macros, your, you know, your carbs, your fats, your proteins, and then you have your calories or your intake. And what we really want to do is focus more so on our macros, our fat, our protein, our carbs, than calories. So If we're wanting to lose weight, you know, the standard practice of just eat less for weight loss doesn't work. And studies are now showing and have been showing for quite some time that this is not correct. And so we need to kind of look at what macros are going to help us heal our body. Okay. So you mentioned, you know, as you started your ketogenic journey, now you're finding three years into it that things are adjusting and things are changing. And so for me, you know, my personal experience is the macros that I was doing, you know, when I started in 2014 are completely different than now because I'm a different person. My body is in a different place and needs different things. So my macros are going to change with that. What my intake has done? Well, when I was healing my body, I would say I was eating a lot more. Like sometimes I look back on the photos of what I could eat in one sitting and it was crazy because I was healing my body. I was losing weight. I needed all these different things. Now, like you said, you're fasting longer. You don't need the fatty coffees. It sounds like you have a pretty good requirement. So as it relates to calculating macros later on in your keto journey, you may find that It's more so about carb variability, where some days you're eating 5% carbs, other days you're maybe eating upwards of 15 to 20% carbs, and your protein macro is probably going to be adjusting up and down with that also, as will your fat macro. And I know this is kind of a complicated answer, and it's not a one-size-fits-all thing, but I would say that if you came into keto with specific macros and they're not working... It could be either that you A, aren't eating enough, or B, the macros are funky, or C, (laughs) you are focusing too much on the carbohydrate piece and less on the fiber piece, and you really need to bump up your fiber in order for you to get eliminating your poop so that you're eliminating your estrogen so that your hormones are balanced. I mean, there's a lot to this, Megan, but I would say overall, yes, they are going to change awesome that you've ditched the fatty coffee and you're at that place. I've definitely find that, uh, found that rather for myself for the last little bit here where I just don't need it and I'm more just doing real non, non-caloric fasting um, and it's feeling a lot better, reducing inflammation, but some people just aren't there yet and they require the fatty coffee in order to feel satiated because they're coming at this with, you know, I remember I couldn't go. There's no way I could go longer than eight hours without eating. Forget like 12 or 14 or six, 18. Are you nuts? No way. So the fatty coffees can bridge that gap. Once you remove that already, you've adjusted your macros quite considerably and you may find that you are eating more protein. And so this is all to say that these are the levers that you can play with on your ketogenic diet. And I love that your question really wasn't about calories, but more about macros. And to really get to the meat of the answer is really your carbs are going to go up and down, likely between 5% again and 15%. Your protein is probably going to stick around, uh, I don't know, 20% to 35%. 
and your fat is going to be anywhere between 45% to 70% on any given day up or down. Um, but the real ticket for you here it's going to be the fasting, which is naturally going to adjust your intakes. And by the removal of the fatty coffee, you're probably going to have more success overall since you're at that place. So I hope that answers your question. I know like in my six week program, we delve really, really deep into that. And it takes like over 12 hours of video content and, and coaching to kind of guide people through how to adjust that for themselves. So I'll include a link in the show notes for that program. We're starting up another group like now. So if you want to join it, could be a fun way to learn more about how to adjust those things if you're interested. You know what I love more than anything in the entire world is helping people. And when I meet a complete stranger and they're telling me about symptoms that they're having or symptoms that their dog is having or their loved one, Oftentimes, the first thing that comes into my head is, you should try CBD oil. And I'm, in fact, sitting in my car right now. I just drove an hour and a half to a friend's place to drop off a bottle of Eaton Hemp CBD oil. Their dog's having a really difficult time with an inflammatory condition. Nobody knows what it is. And I just thought, again, you need to try CBD oil. Now, CBD oil has massively reduced my symptoms of anxiety, but CBD oil does so much more including inflammation reduction, improving digestive function, improving sleep quality, reduces acne. But here's what you have to know before you grab a random bottle and start supplementing. Research, research, research your options thoroughly. Look for a CBD oil that uses hemp seed oil as the carrier oil. Now, the hemp seed oil means that the plant has been kept in its purest whole plant form, allowing for the terpenes and cannabinoids to work together in unison in your body to give you the powerful entourage effect that everyone is always raving about when it comes to CBD. Among high-quality CBD options, Eaton Hemp's unfiltered full-spectrum CBD oil is an all-organic choice. Again, all organic choice. They're one of the first unfiltered CBD products to be USDA certified organic. This guarantees what you see is what you get. No toxins, no pesticides, no label trickery. Eaton Hemp uses hemp seed oil as a carrier for CBD, giving you the full entourage effect, maximum absorption, potency, effectiveness, terpenes, cannabinoids, aka results, which is all good things. And if you're like supplementing, how do I even do this? Now, I personally take a dropper full a day with my dogs up until both our dogs passed away. Lexi was supplementing with 15 milligrams. She's a 60 pound dog and Pebbles, who is a 10 pound dog, did a dropper to a day. Now with our dog Coconut, who's developed a little bit of inflammation, I've started giving her 10 milligrams a day and she's an 80 pound dog. I personally couldn't even imagine my life without CBD. It extended Lexi's life by three years, giving us so much more time to spend together when vets said it wasn't even possible. I cannot tell you how powerful a supplement this has been for me and my family. Now, I chatted with my friends over at Eaton Hemp and they put together a sweet deal for you. If you go to eatonhempcbd.com slash keto diet, again, that's Eaton, E-A-T-O-N, hemp, 
cbd.com slash keto diet and use a coupon code keto diet. You're going to get 20% off all Eaton Hemp CBD products. That includes the salves and all the crazy things you can get into when it comes to CBD. That's 20% off with the code keto diet at eatonhempcbd.com slash keto diet. Okay, next question is from Barbara. Hi, I've been listening to your podcast and practicing keto and fasting for myself and my husband. I'm beginning to think my allergy and induced asthma 15 year old boy might also benefit from keto as well, possibly to reduce symptoms, mostly nasal swelling right now and reduce his meds. He is a late bloomer, very fit, incredibly active athlete, and I'm concerned about any restriction. Endocrinologist said, eat as much as possible. Is it possible to do keto, but add potatoes and rice help? Okay, Barbara, this is a great question. And I can only speak from the research that I've done, the friends that I have and what I would do if I had a child, but you really have to determine, you know, you know, your child way better than I do and care far more, of course. And so you really need to adjust it. Can you do keto, but add potatoes and rice? Mm, Kind of, but like adding potatoes and rice really don't have much of a nutrient density. So, you know, white potatoes definitely have a place, especially with the resistant starch. If you are cutting them up, boiling them, letting them cool and they get kind of sticky, that's a great way to um, help the gut. But just like trying to pile on filling so that they feel satiated isn't the best approach. So if I were in your position and, um, I would definitely, you know, switch over to a ketogenic diet or a more fat fueled diet, focusing mostly on whole foods. Now, depending on where he's at, if he's eating a ton of rice and pasta and all the things just to get it in, um, it's going to be an adjustment. And, Some kids do really well cold turkey. Others need to be adjusted. I would start increasing his fat, lowering his carbs slowly. You know, maybe it's breakfast, then it's lunch, then it's dinner and kind of incorporating more and more ketogenic meals. You might also want to look at the reduction of dairy or complete removal of dairy only because it is linked with allergy um, induced asthma and just asthma and allergies and inflammation and all those things. You might have great success with removing dairy and also sugar. I know for myself personally, having had allergy induced asthma when I was younger, um, removing gluten and dairy and sugar were huge for me to the point where I don't deal with asthma anymore at all. So I would be encouraged to kind of take the route of eat as much as possible, dot, 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 with value, with quality. And so if you look at rice, there's really not much to it, though the black forbidden rice can be helpful for some as prep for movement practices and certain, you know, activities, especially because he said he's incredibly, uh, an incredible uh, athletic human being. So he may find like black forbidden rice is more helpful than just like white rice, which gives that spike and doesn't help. Things like bananas, those sorts of things can be used more beneficially instead of just having like a banana with oatmeal, maybe a banana with almond butter and like a fatty shake. And so you're having this combination of foods that's going to satiate him far more than um, just pounding on the rice. And so 
If you're preparing a keto meal for yourself and your husband, perhaps for your son, he has just a whole bunch more of it, you know, but you're mostly focusing on or all the way focusing on quality as opposed to quantity. And that quality will really hit what the endocrinologist was saying about eating as much as possible, as opposed to just eat as much as possible of whatever, because that's still doing damage. You know, like if he's eating a bunch of garbage, even though he's not losing weight and all the things it's you're, you're building the body with garbage. And so it's really important that we focus on whole food sources of as much as possible. And yeah, I see if I were in your position, I'd see nothing wrong with my son, uh, following in our keto footsteps and perhaps just eating a whole, whole bunch more. Next question is from Renee. Good morning. I've been listening to your podcast and enjoying them. Lots of good information. In particular, I've been listening to the ones on vaginal health. You give great tips on boric acid supplements. Oh, that stuff's so good. Oregano oil, probiotics, etc. which I'm doing all of these things, but I want to know what to wash with in the shower. I kept hoping you would mention a brand of soap or some homemade concoction. <laughs> what do you use to wash down there to keep the pH more stable? This is such a good question, Renee. So there are a couple of episodes that we've done in the past on vaginal health. Uh, the first is episode 194. Uh, and then we did another one, episode 267. So I would highly recommend checking out both of those if you're interested in the conversations that Renee just mentioned. Okay, so the soap that I, okay, I use two different things. One is Dr. Bronner's soap. I have been using this, well, I don't know, 15 years Love it, love it, love it. Really doesn't matter on the smell or like the, the scent. However, the peppermint down there, it's a little cool for my liking. It's a little too much. So I go with the lavender. Um, that's my personal favorite. The rose is also really nice. So those are the ones that I use down there. Also, if you wax or have any sort of like hair removal practice, um, I do make a scrub and I'll kind of explain to you how it goes. You can kind of like play around with the ingredients yourself but it's coconut oil, eucalyptus essential oil, and brown sugar, and rough salt, okay? So I kind of just put it all in a bowl and mix it all together until it's the right consistency, and you really can't screw it up. If it's too liquidy, add more salt and sugar. If it's too hard and you, it's like falling apart, then just add more coconut oil. Now the eucalyptus oil, I put about five drops per one cup of mixture, and the eucalyptus just helps with ingrown hairs. And so if you have a, a hair removal practice that you follow, whether it's shaving or waxing or epilation or whatever you're doing, is it epilation, epilating, whatever. Um, then you, after the, after the practice, you wait 10 days and then you start with scrub. You don't want to be scrubbing after you just had hair removal because that'll be dangerous. Um, so you want to wait 10 days and then start with a scrub. There's also a brush that I use. I will link to it in the show notes as well that I use on my legs specifically and down there in my bikini region, um, which helps with ingrown hairs as well. And so, um, um, about five days after hair removal, I'll start using it. And then five days following that, a total of 10 days, I'll start using the scrub. And then every day I'm using the Dr. Bronner's. And you can use the Dr. Bronner's literally on everything except your face. I've used it on hair, but it makes it quite oily. So it's just like a skin only thing and keeps the pH really stable. <laughs> I actually had this experience where we were hopping from place to place. So I just used the body, you know, we all do this. We just use the body lotion in the hotel. And then like a day later, we're like, why did I do that? Yep. Dr. Bronner's has never failed me. So that's a good one. And I will include a link down below. 
Next question is from Natalia. How many calories do you recommend for return of menstruation? I'm on a low carb diet more than one year and I'm now starting keto because of hormones and other benefits. Natalia, okay, we chatted about this a little bit before, just about how calories aren't a good indication of just about anything. So my recommendation would be eat as much as you can possibly fit in your body. Like, are you hungry at three o'clock in the morning? You're going to eat. Are you hungry at 7 a.m.? You're going to eat again. You're hungry at eight o'clock. You're going to eat again. You're just going to eat. You're going to eat. You're going to eat all the things. And I would definitely have periods of fat of, of feasting where you are eating all low carb foods, right? You're eating, you're eating, you're eating. And then like a couple days a week or a couple days a month, ideally a couple days a week, you're eating the carbs and you're rotating that. And you need a lot. You need like a lot of food. Just as I mentioned previously, I mean, when I was healing my body from amenorrhea, I, I, <laughs> there was a time where I was eating like two pounds of ground beef a day and like three sweet potatoes and a whole bag of kale. And just like, I, there's no possible way that I could eat that much now. It's just not even possible. And so, yeah, whenever you're hungry, you're eating. And I also don't recommend fasting if you're trying to get your period back. Okay. Next question is from Sherry. I'm hypothyroid, menopausal, not sleeping. I'm up 30 pounds. Just saw an endocrinologist awaiting lab results. I'm getting hot flashes. I don't sleep. I think I've tried keto, uh, paid for so many meal plans, but never sure if I'm doing it right. I have a keto mojo, but I've never gotten to 2.0. I can easily fast 8 p.m. until noon. Not, uh, but fear now I'm not eating enough calories. I'm very confused and would like advice, any advice you may have. I've read and watched your emails and videos and hope for help. Oh, Sherry. Okay. There are a couple things here. I'm going to break them down as best I can. So hypothyroid. First off, we want to make sure that your levels are adequate. Okay. So with hypothyroid, it depends on the person and where your levels are at. If you're working with a primary physician, even an endocrinologist, it's likely that they're going to go with the sick people numbers and not the ideal numbers. Uh, ideally, you want to work with somebody who understands ideal numbers and shoot for the ideal numbers, not the sick numbers. And so even if you ask your, your doctor, are, are you, are we using the sick numbers or the, or the ideal numbers? If they're they're like sick numbers, what? Then they probably don't know what we're talking about. Um, so we definitely want to go for the ideal numbers, which gets us out of the zone of you actually having an issue, right? So for hypothyroid, first, we want to make sure that we're in the right zone. Secondly, with hypothyroid, we want to make sure that you're on the right medication. So since you didn't say Hashimoto's, okay, I'm going to assume that you do not have Hashimoto's and you have a hypothyroid dysfunction. And so we want to more go toward armor thyroid, NP thyroid, uh, in Canada, it's just called desiccated thyroid. Most places also in the world, it's just desiccated thyroid. So you want to go for more of that, the natural form than like a synthroid. Secondly, menopausal, it's great that you uh, saw an endocrinologist and are awaiting lab results. I'm hoping that those lab results will outline estrogen, and progesterone, ideally also your DHEA. Ideally, you can also get a Dutch test. I personally do review Dutch tests if you'd like to reach out to me and we can definitely chat about that. The best way to do that is to just go to my shop page and uh, fill out an application to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. I will include a link in the show notes for that and I'm currently taking clients this year. I just do a handful of them um, just because I apply myself so thoroughly to these clients that I don't get to take on a lot of clients. So if you're looking 
to go deeper with your hormone results, the Dutch test is definitely available to you there. For hot flashes, hopefully your lab results will outline where your estrogen is at. Ideally, perhaps your endocrinologist can recommend an estrogen cream, perhaps even a progesterone cream, depending on where your levels are at to get yourself there. You not sleeping could probably have something to do with the hot flashes. I know that CBD oil can help. I will include a link in the show notes for the CBD oil that I recommend that has really helped with my sleep. And in fact, Eaton Hemp is sponsoring today's episode. So listen for that. It'll be in the show notes already. And they're really good for that. And also with the quality of sleep, what the Dutch test does is it goes beyond the serum testing and tests also your cortisol. And so it's important to understand why you're not sleeping. Again, it could just be the hot flashes and you don't need to go that route. If you're just finding like you can't sleep because you're having hot flashes and that's probably it. I think the, the goal of keto isn't really it for you and doesn't need to be it. Like if you've never gotten to 2.0, that's fine. The goal here is to feel better. Okay. For hormones to be balanced and to sleep through the night, how you get there, who cares? Okay. So I think it's great that you're fasting. The more you fast, being menopausal, the better. Going 12 hours, 14, 16, 18, doing a couple 24, rotating things in there, really, really helpful. If working one-on-one isn't an option for you, um, my six-week keto weight loss program may be a good route because we do talk about menopause, supporting hormones. But I think even if you don't want anything to do with working with me or anything, chatting with your endocrinologist, reviewing those lab results, and really being an advocate kit to your own body is going to be key for you. Um, and also if you're a little bit low in areas asking for the creams that you need, specifically estrogen and progesterone creams at the varying parts of your cycle may or varying parts of the month rather, not your cycle, duh, um, will really help you get a handle on things and also rotating out estrogen dominant and progesterone dominant foods to help with that balance. One of those being like flaxseed, pumpkin seed, sesame seed, those sorts of things to kind of rotate that. So I would say the first step, wait for your lab results. They've probably come already. Hopefully you have them. And if your endocrinologist was like, eh, there's nothing wrong. Take those results to somebody else that can really look at them and and actually give you feedback. It is incredibly rare, incredibly rare for a woman who's having your symptoms to go to the endocrinologist and have everything check out perfectly and go home and be like, well, I guess it's just me aging. No, 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 no. It's usually that there's something imbalanced, but because a a larger majority, I'm not going to say all because there are fabulous doctors who who totally get this and are such great advocates for people's bodies, they're using sick numbers. And so the levels on our labs are based on sick people who go in when they're sick. And so another physician may look at that and say, okay, well, this is where sick people are at. Here's where optimal people are at. And the level is a lot higher or lower, depending on what you're looking at. So Cherry, I hope that that was helpful for you and definitely let us know how things go. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Okay, next question is from Janelle. Hey, Leanne, I've been doing keto for a couple of months now and losing some weight, but not much. I've just made a very important discovery in Australia and New Zealand. I believe the carb count on nutritional labels are actually net carbs because apparently we don't include fiber in the carb total. Super. (laughs) 
So I've been eating a lot more carbs than I should be, which would probably explain the lack of weight loss. Maybe something to mention to your in your keto posts, as I'm sure I'm not the only Aussie that follows you. Ta, Janelle, thank you for saving the lives of millions. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing. Um, and also just to comment, um, not losing as much weight as you want to. One to two pounds a week is optimal, which works out to be 48 pounds a month. And know that it goes up and down with your cycle. So if you're still on a cycle, what, what weight you're going to be on day 10 is going to be completely different than day 25, just as you adjust with your progesterone and estrogen and doing all the funky things. And, and thanks for your PSA. I know that it will serve some other human that's listening to today's show. Okay. Next question is up oh, questions is from Kathy. First, I love your book, The Keto Diet, and your more laid-back approach. I'm new to keto, 13 days in, still not feeling great, no weight loss, but persisting. Listening to lots of your podcasts, do you have a suggested keto calculator? Kathy, the answer is a hot no. <laughs> no, I do not. I don't really recommend keto calculators only because the focus is on calories and all the things. I would recommend starting off with a ratio of 75% fat like 20% protein, let's go with that 20% protein and 5% carbs and literally do that for a couple weeks and see and kind of aim for that because it'll be very hard for you to hit the 75% fat for the first couple weeks. And then as you get there, adjust as you need. And that's a really good start. Second, she asks, how many grams of fiber do you suggest to be healthy? I love veggies, chia seeds, um, but they seem too much for me. Okay. So I suggest as much fiber as you go to the bathroom every day. You should be pooing at least once a day. I mean, ideally is after every meal, but I mean, I still haven't gotten there and it's been like 15 years of trying. So maybe one day as much fiber as it takes for you to go to the bathroom properly. It's really important, especially, well, I'm focusing on women's health. It's very important for women to have enough fiber that we are eliminating so that the estrogen is released from our body and we don't have any issues there. So I like to aim for about 30 grams. That's a good number. It's the magic number for most. So 30 grams is my final answer. And thank you so much for listening to the show. Okay. Next question, Jen, I'm 52 and I've lived in the keto lifestyle three to four years and thrived. Then I hit 50. I'm just kidding. We can fix this. Uh, things seemed to change my body, how I felt. I was exercising regularly and began mountain biking really hard again after 15 years off. My question is how to have a keto lifestyle at 50 plus Jen. I gotta say the best thing I could possibly ever say to anyone, including myself when I'm 50 is to test your hormones at least once a year to see where they're at. See how your stress and lifestyle and everything is affecting your adrenals because your adrenals are now supporting your whole uh, hormone function. And if you've had a stressful life, which many of us have, um, then uh, you're probably going to be lacking in different areas. And that's not a bad thing. We just need to reset things a little touch. And so understanding where your hormones are at and being serious about this, set aside a budget, $500 a year is going toward testing my hormones. And that should cover the testing as well as supplements required to support your hormones. I would say that's probably like the number one thing that if I could suggest. Now, if money's tight, even a seed rotation can be helpful. Um, and I think that any woman should start that. I will include a link in the show notes with the seed uh, rotation that I personally use and the explanation around that. 
Okay, next question. Wendy, I recently started keto about a month ago. Within the last week, I have started to itch almost nonstop in my feet, ankles, lower legs, forearms, and neck area. I've read about the keto rash, but I'm not showing any signs of the actual rash. Is this itching still possibly associated with keto rash and the sign that I'm starting to get adapted on keto? Uh, I can. The keto rash doesn't have to show up as a rash. It could also be an allergy. It could also be completely unrelated. In fact, I met a woman, I think at a book signing, and she thought she had had keto rash and then it turned out she got bit by something serious and it was this whole thing. You could do a couple of things. One is start rotating your carbohydrates. See if that helps. I'm hoping that since submitting your question a little while ago, hopefully it stopped. I'd love to know um, if you send me a message and just let me know how things are going. My gut feeling is keto rash, even though there isn't a rash that you're, you're itching. I don't know too much about this, so I'm going to put a big question mark. And keto rash is one of those things, like some people say it goes away after a time. Other people say it's a mixture of, you know, they're working out and then the sweat is on the skin and they're not cleaning off uh, too soon. I mean, there's so many different, I think there's like a website dedicated to keto rash. I think that still exists um, because it's quite an anomaly. And so uh, some things that I've found that help with my clients uh, is coconut oil, having showers when you've sweat, um, changing out your sheets, checking to make sure that there are no toxins in your um, laundry soap. The best place to go for that is EWG. You can just search EWG household lookup and it'll give you a website where you can look up your soaps and see how they rate uh, just to make sure that there's nothing there. And that would be kind of where I would go. And also looking at your food items, like if you're really, really focusing on dairy, maybe switch things up or MCT oil, switch things up and just see if you can rotate with the keto foods you're eating. Okay, next question. Linda, I can't seem to lose weight. I'm 53, 10 years after hysterectomy and a ophorectomy has not helped my situation. I also have half a thyroid. Is there something different I need to be doing uh, if I have these issues? Linda, I would recommend, you know, I, I can't tell you how many women I've met that have had hysterectomies and not been put on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy after or like doctors have not talked to them about what happens to their hormones after. I would encourage you just as I had previously about testing your hormones. These would be Definitely because you said you have half a thyroid, um, TSH, free T3. Those would be the two thyroid ones, like bare minimum. We're talking bare minimum. Progesterone, estrogen, DHEA. Yes, those, the final answer. Those would be the ones that I would test once a year for you and just check and make sure that the levels are optimal because if you're having an inability to lose weight, I would guess that your progesterone is low, your estrogen is high, your DHEA is likely low, your TSE. TSH is elevated and your free T3 is low. If any of those or a combination of those occurred or when you pull your results, that's what's happening, then I would say that that's probably what's in the way of you losing weight. And when those hormones are not balanced, like you just cannot lose weight. And the cool thing is, is we can balance these hormones easily and effectively. It's just a matter of finding a healthcare practitioner or a support system that can have those uh, panels run and then interpret those panels. Yeah. So there'll be some links in the show notes if you want to look at those and um, really, really important that you just ask your doctor and kind of see where those levels are at. Okay. Melinda asks, 
I'm looking for dietary info and support on how to combat estrogen dominance. Oh man, we are crushing hormones today. I do not look at the questions before I pull them up, but this is really cool. Could you direct me to any articles you may have or any advice or tips? Thank you so much, Melinda. Melinda, I actually did this amazing episode. Like it's one of my favorite ever on the podcast, episode eight. I think it's called like balancing hormones. I'm pretty sure it's like hormone balancing or balancing your hormones. It's so good. And I think you might really, really enjoy. I think all people listening right now, all women listening right now need to go back to episode eight and listen to that podcast episode. I haven't listened to it in a while, but it was like totally blowing my mind then. Uh, And I know I listened to it like, I don't know, about a year ago and loved it. I think you're really going to love that. So I would recommend rewinding back to episode eight. Give that a listen and let me know what you think. Okay. Last question. We made it. Oh my gosh. Vicky writes, hi Leanne, love your podcast. I'm doing keto and I've been doing it for six months. I still feel up and down. Most of the time I have low energy. I used to work out high intensity five to six times a week. These days I walk one to two hours instead. I can't do much more. I have ups and downs with my moods. I haven't lost any weight. I ordered a keto meter to see if I'm in ketosis so far. I haven't seen any of the benefits that you've been talking about. So I'm sure I am doing something wrong. Would love to hear about what's going on. I need help. Vicky, I would encourage you that you're not doing something wrong. <laughs> the diet's doing something wrong. Sounds horrible. Good for you for sticking it for six months. Cause I don't know if I could handle that. Yeah. It's probably that you need to add variation. That seems to be like the theme. These last couple of episodes is variation, bio-individuality, all the things. Okay. Uh, short answer is maybe once a week you incorporate some foods that aren't keto and see if that allows you to have the energy. Um, You should definitely be able to have high intensity training on a ketogenic diet. And it's unfortunate that you're not able to access that. And with your up and down moods, like there's something else going on. And I'm not saying like there's something serious going on. There's something wrong, but like there's something underneath all of this. If you're looking for a keto coach, I would love to be that person for you. Um, If you're not, that's fine too. Um, I would recommend at least once a week just incorporating carbs, whether that be a sweet potato or half a white potato or like some beans and just see if the next day you feel better. And if you do, maybe do a high intensity interval training situation and see how you feel after. And then wait a couple days and maybe have some carbs again. And the next morning, if you feel good, do that again and just see how that goes. That would be probably my number one recommendation. I have a lot of other ideas like cortisol and you mentioned up down mood. So you're taking folic acid. I mean, There's a lot here. You could also try supplementing with B12. I'll include one of my favorites down below. Now, the one I'm recommending is for those who do not have the MTHFR uh, mutation because it's going to have, yeah, it's going to have a balance of uh, B12 and folate. So if you do not have the MTHFR mutation, definitely go with that. And I will include that in the show notes because that can also help with energy. I mean, there's so many other things like iron, vitamin D, uh, sunlight, all of these things can help and contribute to, or rather be at the detriment of your energy. But since you said like, I started keto six months ago and now my life really sucks and I have low energy. We need to get you up to a place where you have the energy. And my first recommendation would be rotating those carbs. The second would be to love on your adrenals. I've done videos and episodes 
on this in the past. Uh, episode 146 is one of them where we talked about adrenal dysfunction. So that's helpful to look at. And yeah, I hope that my answer guides you in the right direction. Oh my goodness. I just talked for 52 minutes. How are you feeling? I'm tired. <laughs> Okay, so next up on the podcast, Sunday, January 17th, we have episode 291. Oh, yeah, this episode was fire. Uh, Chris Irvin came on the show. Well, he's come on the show in my world, but you have not heard this yet. Uh, we're talking about finding your carb in uh, tolerance. We're talking about carb tolerance, you guys. This episode's so good. You know, I was so sad because I had booked this episode back to back with another episode. So I had no more time to dedicate to the recording of the podcast. And I feel like Chris and I could have talked for another hour, but it's a good one. It's so good. He shares some really good, good tips in there. So listen for that. And then on Wednesday, January 20th, episode 292. Oh, this song is good too, man. We're on fire. Um, Josh Clemente is chatting with us about metabolic breakdown and creating your perfect diet. So we're going to be talking about continuous glucose monitors again. As of, I think it was January 3rd, I applied another CGM. I'm wearing it for 28 days. I just love this thing. If you want to geek out with me and really truly understand how your body is responding to the foods you're eating, episode 271 is a good prep for that episode coming up. And I just can't wait to talk more about continuous glucose monitoring. This is like, this is huge. It's going to be a pretty big, a big year for CGM. And I'm just really excited to be on the forefront of it all and provide you guys with tools so you can get to know your body better. So if you want to connect with me, you can do so by going to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact. And as always in the show notes today, I'm going to have all the links and resources in addition to two free guides. Uh, the first is on uh, a 21 page guide to achieving weight loss on your ketogenic diet. So you can grab that at ketoforwomen.com. And then I also put together a free guide on how to start keto. So if you're new to the keto thing and you just need some help, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash free. And these are all free. They're just guides to get you started. You know, I understand that not everyone can work with me. Not everyone can do the things and you need free resources. So these will definitely get you started. And there's so much out there for you to soak up. So I'm going to go drink a bunch of water and probably get outside. So thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I will see you next Sunday for another episode. And if you love today's show, leave a review. I'd love to read it. Okay, take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.